Now, I really want to thank God that we were able to go through the book of Romans. I don't know how many months it took us. Well, according to Eliaza, it's about two years. Is it up to two years? They even say it's above that. For some personal reasons, I was not keeping too much record. Not uh, because I don't want to. You have to find the balance between you know what can make you proud. So I just preach and leave it there. So we went through the book of Romans. We were able to deal with uh, uh, that book sufficiently, not but not exhaustively. You can't you can see in Romans for life, uh, and people like Martin Lloyd Jones was there for how many years? I mean, I think twenty years or more, or eighteen years around that, and couldn't finish. Could not finish. But some baby went through romance for how many years? Six years? I don't know. So a lot of great men have tried to go through romance and uh, maybe halfway of their lifetime, ministry lifetime. Somewhere it needs for the whole of their lifetime, ministry lifetime. But we're able to go through it at least to give us a head start. And if, if God grant us long life, we may go back on romance again, maybe slowly, slowly. What about church is that in the next 10 years, you come back to this church, you'll be looking for those who are here now and you can't find them. Or somewhere in Canada, somewhere in the US, somewhere in Lagos, somewhere in Obudu. And some will still be here. As more people come in, you have to drink that thing, close it, and keep it by your side. Hmm? I close it now. You've drunk enough. Good. As the church grows, other people are coming through. You can't just say, I've taught romance, I've taught romance. You have to go back on it again at one point in our lives, uh, in our church life. I want to I want to be careful not to just for the sake of we we'll finish romance and move away without taking some questions. I know many times in our Bible study, the time we have for questions are so limited. So I want to like pause and ask you whether online, if you are online listening to me, you can type your question and then we'll deal with it. Even if you don't start on the doctrine of the scriptures tonight, of course, I'm not going to touch even the doctrine of the scripture tonight. I'm going to do just a kind of, a kind of overview of uh, why we should study 1689, uh, why we should study confessions. But let's talk about Romans. Is there anything that you think was left out? Or is there anything you, th- you think will be mentioned? Uh, <laughs> Today I was in the Equa. I've been going to Equa seminars since yesterday, taking our APC members up and down. And once I just dropped in, some students just came around me like emotion. And they were like, oh, we're happy to see you back. You preached last year. It was so wonderful. One nurse said, I wish you could have said X, Y, Z in your sermon last year. Uh, but we really enjoyed it. If I saw one brother, his phone, I was starting to play back my sermon that he recorded. Uh, whatever. So, is there anything you th- in your mind that I wish Pastor Abu to mention this uh, about Romans that was not mentioned? That is the time now, or question, or contributions. I have one, two questions I would like to ask you, but let me just wait for you, wait on you to return back to me on this. Um, Lighty, can you say it properly? Good. Are you coming up? Oh, is it okay? If you have nothing to say, you don't have to say anything. 
Yeah. Sort of a, a question. I mean, it was on my mind when we talked about where, your mouth, yeah. where Paul was saying, talking about not building on someone else's foundation. Mm -hmm. So my thought was, okay, is it the fact that Paul was an apostle or that can still be replicated today where a certain person is like, he goes from place to place, maybe he's not stationed in a particular place and um, he plants churches and there's no long-term um, plan like to stay in a particular place, like you move from um, place to place, like with the desire that of establishing churches in different places, but without actually staying there. Or was it the apostle, uh, the fact that Paul was an apostle that made that possible, or that can be replicated today? Who want to respond to that? Who would like to respond to that? Is it because Paul was an apostle? Is it like uh, limited to Paul? Is it like exclusive to uh, Paul or the apostolic ministry? Can we say that of our own selves today? The idea of I don't want to build on another man's foundation. I think the question is, for me, like your missionary pastor, I, I began this work. Now, tomorrow, Elias or Felix or any of you had a call to ministry. And then maybe I move on. And then Elias take over this work or Felix take over this work. Are they building another man's foundation? That, that's the question I ask. Is it like, is, is, or they have to now go and start their own? Okay, what are you? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. okay, but what, what is the, what's the connection between what you have just said and not building another man's foundation? Like you're looking for maybe fresh places to choose. On which places yes. to start a church when you move on. Okay, I understand. What you're saying is that, yeah, what you're saying, is it applicable to us? Can we be like Paul in that respect, like being a itinerant uh, minister, missionary, moving around? What are your thoughts, church? Felix come here, start a church four years down the line. He's now in Obudu. Obudu, eight years down the line, he's in Obomosho, and like that, like that. Can we behave like Paul? Or I come here, I plant a church, I stay for the rest of my life. Then maybe you bury me here. You open the, if this is a church property, you open this place and put, hair lies up and your pastor. Is that what we should be doing? Or, let missionaries. Why are you guys quiet? The question is not difficult. Yeah, Eric can. Can you pass the mic to Eric? Okay. I'm not, I'm not sure I have the correct answer, but I'll just try. Um, okay, um, there are two, two different answers of it on my mind. Yeah. The first one is as the Lord wills, basically, as he leads you, if you are here for a, a time and um, you feel the Lord is leading you to move to another location to preach the gospel. And maybe you have, you have preached Christianity here and you have, the church has begun and there's someone that can handle explaining to the brethren and trying to help them um, understand God's word here. You can leave and move on to the next place. Because sometimes when we, have, when we stay in a particular place, sometimes... You feel like it's your, it's your church, it's your place. It's now, you can't leave, you can, nobody should say anything or stand in the way. And then it can be just as you mentioned with um, your, we have been a missionary pastor here. And after a while, you, we get to vote if we want you to remain our pastor or not. And then, or if we say, so if we say yes, then you remain here. If, you say, if we say no, you yeah. move on to somewhere else. So yeah. You know? yeah. Is that what, is that the sentiment of all of us? In one sense, Paul was an apostle, was a kind of a pioneer apostle. There are some things he was doing that we may not be able to do that. He was unmarried. So he had the luxury of a single, uh, of, of a celibacy to move around very quickly. Paul had a goal. Paul was much more special. You know, he, he, he spoke about himself in chapter 15 as a minister to the Gentiles. 
And it talks about him bringing the Gentiles to God as an offering in, in, in a priestly way. So he, Paul was so unique in a way that we are not. He was like a priest. He was like a first fruit of a, of a missionary work to the Gentiles. And he had a plan to plant, to plant churches in most of the strategic metropolitan cities or cosmopolitan cities, if there's anything like that at that time, so that people, there's a convergence of people from there, those who become Christian, can plant churches again in the rural area. For instance, uh, Paul, was, Paul was not in Col- Colossae. By the time I was writing to Philemon, Philemon was in Colossae, right? Paul was never, has not been, was never in Colossae, but the church he planted, it was in Philipp- Philippi, that planted Colossian church. So there's a church here, or in or only church in the, the Mes- around the Macedonia angle, and they were planting other churches like that, like Achaia. So he was, that was his plan. And today, so we should not see ourselves as poor. I, I want to just clear that, because recently I've had a course talk to a, a brother, a brother who who served like a missionary pastor missionary moving around and I kind of question him on some of his ministry uh, principles and he quickly jumped and said, just like Paul Paul was doing it and I said um, hang on, you're not really Paul <laughs> you don't look like Paul <laughs> you're not Paul uh, there are some things that were true of Paul that's not true of you as an apostle okay. and, and does enjoy a lot of luxury of immediate, of immediate revelation from God in many matters. So his movement were quite easy. Just like Eric can say, are you led? Or you have just been ambitious? You want to carve a name for yourself as the first Nigerian reformed missionary that planted 1,000 churches across Nigeria. Woo! And then there's a medal on, on your chest. And then you now go to Banner of Truth, they say, hey, come, uh, brother, Pastor Joshua from Nigeria, God forbid, uh, they have planted one million churches. And then, hey, you'll be shocked. In heaven, there will be nothing for you. Let, you, should, you should be careful not to be so ambitious. But it's not, too, it's not wrong, but particularly we are in Nigeria. Light, sit up properly. Like up, up, uh-huh. sit like your back. So you can listen to me. No, take your head up. Are you fine? Okay, great. I want you to be listening to me, okay? For us, uh, in, 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 uh, within the reform movement, we are, we are in our early days. We need more missionaries. We need more church planting in Nigeria. And I mean reformed church. I'm talking about biblical Christianity. In, in, the, in the context of where people have abandoned biblical Christianity, to what they call prophetic ministry, prayer houses, and all that. So there's a need for us to, to be like Paul again, having that hunger to make sure there are healthy churches planted across the major cities so that they too can spread into the rural areas. That won't be a bad ambition for a church. If there's a brother here, even myself, if I have, an, if I have great energy, because my, 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 my job is to plant a church and set elders over that church. And that, that, those elders, could, I, mean, I could be part of those elders and I could be not. So if there's hunger for me, like, even the church can decide and say, Pastor Bruce, I think you'll be more competent to go to Kaduna or to go to Kano and start another church. And that was the decision of the church. I should obey it. I can give you an example. When the church in Antioch was going to send missionaries out of the church, they sent their best, isn't it? Paul and Sarah, Paul and Barnabas were the teachers, were the lead men, and they sent them out. Sometimes our mistake is that we look for, we will keep our best. <laughs> we keep our best. Yeah, we don't want our pulpit should be, hey, these are our pulpit, our TBC. And then we look for those who are not too competent. And then we send them out to go and preach. 
and then we are here because church has church has stabilized a lot of rich, it's, you know, when the church stabilized for your pastor what do you do anymore just preach sleep and preach like holiday now yeah but the church could say as we're praying increasingly before you know it, Felix is thinking the same way Eric is thinking the same way Fire is thinking the same way Elijah says pastor I think we think since we'll be praying, I think we have sufficient elders that can run things here. Will you be willing? Can you pray about it and move on to Port Harcourt or move on to Enugu and start something there for the next three, four years? Then we'll be backing from here. If I have an energy and have also the willingness, that's good. But that should be our collective idea now, not a visionary, I'm like a hero kind of a person now. Are you clear now? In one way, we should be poor, in one way, we are not poor, yeah? Uh, is that a question from online? Yeah. Who is asking? Oh, GB is online. Based on Romans 13 and based on the news headline of a certain church in Nigeria setting up political units, what is the biblical and proper relationship and role of the church as an organization in the body polity? have to calm down and read that question again. Okay. Sorry, guys, it's Bro, Bro is asking questions, so I want us to listen to the question carefully. Yeah. Based on Romans 13, and based on the news headline of a certain church in Nigeria setting up political units, okay. what is the biblical and proper relationship and role of the church in the body polity as role of the church as an organization. Yeah, I understand. Uh, for us as Baptists, and even the form Baptists, that is clear, isn't it? There is, right from the word go, what defined the Baptists or the non-conformists is the separation of states from the church. And I think, I guess, maybe he's looking at Bakari's church. Yeah. Is it with him? Okay. Is it, is it the news? Okay. Okay. If it's with him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course, if you go to Bakari's church now, it's just like a political party. The entire church is like a political party. Uh, okay, let me just, what do you think? Bro, Felix, are you trying? You are, you are, you are shaking the mic, eh? Yes? Pass the mic to Sister Erica. Again, I'm not sure how correct answer is, but I'll try. Okay, so um, I'm okay. So there is, I feel, I, I, I think that there from um what we learned, yes, the um the church is supposed to submit to um government authority, but not in the aspect of how the church is governed, basically. And so, if a church chooses to have a political arm, I feel like that's a stretch from what the role of the church is. Yeah. The church can encourage their members, if you want to be a politician, we have taught you the word of the Lord, we have taught you what is right. When you go into politics, you know what to do as God's child. But oh, having a polit- political arm is a stretch from what Christ has called the church to be. Yeah. Uh, do you think Romans 13 is talking about the church submitting herself to the government or individual Christian? Look at Romans 13. Is it about the individual Christians or the church? Why do you think individual?
Yeah, let every person. Mm hmm. Hmm. And the church is the collection of persons, eh? First of all, the context of Romans, or the political context of Romans, don't forget that they were living under, not, they were not in democracy. <laughs> there was no democracy in Romans. What we had there was what? Under which government, the youth system of government, you think Paul was writing Romans? Is it anarchy? No. Monarchy. Is it even a monarchy? Yeah. But it was an emperor. Yeah? Is it that to be autocracy? And you have no say, actually. The church in Romans could not have set up any units. <laughs> To have to say, in, in autocracy or monarchy, you, you just obey or disobey. The word of the emperor is final. The emperor is supreme and his word final. I don't think Paul was conceiving, uh, of course, the Holy Spirit was with him when he was writing down the book of Romans. And we can draw some implications from Romans 13 as of how we, we function. But we should not be quick to think that Paul was thinking about us when he was writing the Bible, uh, the scripture here. So it was monarchy. For us as Baptists, Paul speaks more to individual person's conscience how we ought to behave under any government, much more than the church as a congregation forming an opinion and trying to converse it with the government. So, and if we are Baptists, and rightly so, our doctrinal position, the issue of states separate from the church is quite strong. We don't, we don't compromise on that. So, yeah, for the church that set up in a unit, I, I, I would like to read that properly too. I, I don't know their, their intention. I don't know what they want to achieve through that. So I want to personally, GB, I would like to read, maybe send that, send that article, whatever is, when you send it to me, I would like to deal, I would like to engage with it so I can say things properly. I don't want to condemn what I don't understand. It could be that, for instance, if increasingly I see Felix Every day, buying Punch newspaper, Vanguard newspaper, and this day, a daily. And then he's forming a clique around the church, reading, critiquing the government passionately with sweat. I can, I can make a deduction that these guys are really interested in politics. There's nothing wrong for me as a pastor to like call them and actually guide them. Or if they come to me as a group, so want to run for some amakshamaship or whatever, what are we supposed to be doing? I can talk to them about it. But if Felix want to run for amakshamaship in this Abuja this amak, it is wrong for this church to adopt him as our candidate. And Felix should not feel bad that my own brothers in the Lord are not behind me. No, we cannot. It, we cannot. You can form your own political base outside the church. And members, all the members who, if all of us followed you, fine. But from this pulpit, Felix cannot become the point of preaching every, that this is our Daniel, or this is our David, or this is our uh, whatever, eh? Our Moses, or our Joseph. And then you now go to the Old Testament and, and make some extrapolation to support that. Particular, I think Bakari is, 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 do, is doing that a lot these days. I mean, the one that wants to become president. He goes to the Old Testament and then he's, he's making some extrapolations to talk to, to point to himself. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying about that. The church shouldn't be involved in politics directly, the church as a body. But the individual Christian can be politically active. And then the church is there to guide them on how to be Christian as they pursue their political ambitions. You want to add something? Okay, is that, is that clear now?
Yeah. Is that clear? Okay. Yeah. So politics is not bad for Christians, but how you do it is yeah, Mm-hmm. Still on Romans. Any more questions? Okay, let me ask one of uh, one of the questions, even those online can respond. How would you respond to the to these people that want to divide the scripture? Like want to say, oh, that is Paul's idea. Oh, that was Jesus' idea. Not to say uh, Apostle Paul does have his own ministry and he was teaching some things. Or oh, read more of the gospel. Uh, Jesus alone. How would you respond to that? Do we have to follow everything that Apostle Paul wrote? Yeah, Reliazer's respondent. Um, so, Second Timothy chapter mm-hmm. verse 16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So, the answer is whether it's the Gospels or the uh, former prophets or latter prophets or Psalms or the Epistles or revelation, all scripture is built out by God. So if we understand that the primary author of the scripture is God, then there's no need to make that dichotomy. So people usually say that misunderstand the inspiration of scripture, how scripture came about. That's on one angle. Mm-hmm. On another angle, um, the people who say that fail to understand um, that God used human instruments and that the apostles were divinely inspired. So on the, on the one hand, they feel to acknowledge that God is the primary author. On the other hand, they feel to acknowledge that uh, God inspired men, particularly the apostle Paul, mm-hmm. to write scripture. So a proper understanding of scripture, really, uh, that argument is not, it has no basis on which to stand. Yeah. Me, as I preach around Abuja, I come across a lot of people that will say, oh, that was Paul. Uh, that was Paul's opinion. No? Look at the book of Romans. Without the book of Romans, there is no way you can understand the four Gospels. I hope you understand that. If you read the four Gospels, you can hardly grasp the idea of justification by faith alone, clearly, from the gospel, even though they are implies. The book of Romans, for me, was like, any day I look at Romans, I thank God for the book of Romans. Because he opened up the gospel to us in a very clear way and laid out the body of divinities that we must follow. Yeah, it's not Paul's opinion. All we've read, all we've studied in Romans is the intention of God to bring us to uh, to, to the truth. Yes, uh, Firecan. I would also say that the whole message of scriptures is one and is about redemption. Mm-hmm. So if um, there are different authors, it still points to one person, which is Christ. Mm-hmm. And that would be That would be your answer. Yeah, Josh? Question? Okay. Get a mic. Well, not Romans, but to I want to stretch the question you asked. Mm-hmm. So, you said how um, your question is something like um, if it's Paul or well, how should we follow it? So mine is, when do we know um, when it's for a particular people or it's for all the whole Christians? 
like um, 1 Corinthians First Corinthians 11, 6. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. Mm-hmm. But since it is given for a wife to cut her, stuff like that. So when do we say, okay, this is for Christians, and we say these are for the Corinthian guys, how do we find those differences and say, okay, this is for all of us. No, this is for particular uh, yeah. people he was talking to. Oh, oh, respond to that. When you go to the scripture, how will you say, okay, this is, this actually is for this person. Like when you say, oh, Timothy, for the sake of your stomach ache, take some wine. That one is so clear that he's speaking to Timothy. Of course, some, some people have, have applied that to themselves. <laughs> but how, but how, do you, how do you respond to that question? How do you know this is not for the entire church at all times? Um, okay, I think, first of all, all the critical recipients of every single word in scripture mm-hmm. so there's no, there's no verse that is addressing us in Abuja at this present time mm-hmm. so all the recipients are dead but then because God wrote his word for his people first Corinthians 10 Paul said that these things are written for as examples for us um that, that's just one way to look at it. And all of all of the Old Testament basically was written for us in the New Testament. And then we know that God's word is written to those who are his. Psalm uh, Yeah, that is also the that tells us about scripture. The issue usually is when people try to um, when they hit problematic passages. Yeah. That's when this 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 thing is just basically about problematic passages. For example, in that same First uh, Corinthians, First Corinthians, the letter chapter seven, it says, "I Paul and not the Lord." So it's okay. Paul is speaking out of his own mind. Yeah. And, but the thing is, Paul is actually saying that this is what the Lord taught directly. Yeah. And this is what this he is taught. what uh, the Lord did not teach directly because Jesus yeah. did not teach everything. Yeah. He left his apostles so that there will be continued revelation. And so that's one aspect of it. Another aspect is uh, this issue of whether the women pastor thing is so that's not that doesn't affect his spirituality. That is a humanistic question. Yeah. It's an issue. How to interpret those problematic passages. Yeah. Josh is more confused than before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, who wants to okay. You are not clear. How? Yeah, the issue, yes, he has not answered. What he has not answered it. What that in his own opinion he has not answered because the answer he has given is a technical answer. It's not a straightforward. It's not just looking for a, a kind of yes, a street, a street day-to-day answer. Yeah, please. Make sure you put the mic close to your mouth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I first scripture. Many of much of scripture we have um, that which is very plain. We know who it, it is being addressed to, um, and, and if it still applies to us, many of that you see. For example, the Great Commission is the church's commission. That is plain to see. What I feel is that the point of interpretation, as um, Broideaza said, he said something about the primary recipients are dead. And so, if we are talking about we today, the longer time we take, the more difficult, um, the more um, journey we have to take to go back into the context that the scriptures were originally written for us yeah. to have the yeah. primary meaning, then we can now see how it applies to us. There are many, the truth is, for convenience, if we have to be honest, there are lots of scriptures that people don't apply to themselves. What informs them? Because they see how plain it is. Mm-hmm. You understand? So, I still want to um, go with Cornelius um, to take a leaf from what he said. That many times it has to do with problematic passages. The ones that they feel that if this person could do this, why can't I do it? Yeah. What, so they want to be free 
to um, to take to take any part of scripture to apply to themselves, whether it is appropriate or not, and it's still a product of proper biblical interpretation. Yeah, and 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 we thank God that most of these problems are not around primary things to a large extent. Even though they are very, very important, like the issue of uh, the issue of head covering that you mentioned, as a church, we strive for proper interpretations. What is just using hermeneutics? You just want to confuse your head. It's just about interpretation. How people look at the particular scripture and applies it within their own context is where the issue just came from. For instance, let me just give you straight on. Our mother church, they take the cultural issue within the, the issue of hair covering within the cultural like so am I, I think Kabata they don't really cover head I say I have a different opinion. I go with Stephen Lawson on that Stephen Lawson Steve Lawson and us. So you even know about huh? so you choose to go with who? RC on Yes. So these are the issues. The, but the issue is that, can I just say, if you don't cover your head, you shall go to hell. No, that's not the issue. It's not the issue of heaven and hell. They are, primary, they are, not, they are secondary issues. The issue of interpretations. And that's why when we, when we come to the issue of interpretation, context. Context. Sometimes, somebody will say, what, what does pastor do? Pastors that are very careful, this issue you just mentioned now, can take them days rolling over passages and rolling over Old Testament, New Testament, from one commentary to the other commentary, listen to some someone here and someone here, and then they just go, hmm. And then at one point, just close everything and cast yourself on the Lord. Lord, help me. I don't want to destroy your people. Yeah, don't destroy your people. And then you want to like communicate in a way that's appropriate, uh, not endanger people's faith. So what Elias are saying in the plain language is that whether Paul was speaking directly to Corinthian church or to church at all times, it does not reduce from the inspiration, the inerrancy, and the infallibility of the scripture. It is the voice of God. For if, if you are confused about the issue of Hercules from the passage you've quoted, if the general principle of that passage is what? Authority. Headship. So there's no part of the scripture I will go to that you can easily see, oh, thank God is for is for people in, in Jericho. Oh, thank God in Abuja is not for me. No. If you sit down carefully, you know it will come out by principle to hang you again. Even though there's also there's no tithing, there's no the issue of tithing in the New Testament and all that stuff. But what's the general principle in the New Testament? Giving, right? You must have to give. You can't run away from giving. You can skew yourself from... And brothers and sisters, the reason why I'm saying this is when you go to the book of Romans, there are some tough, tough issues that you must wrestle for the rest of your life. Don't run away from tough issues. And, you know, in my, in my tribe, they say, who, who will choke himself with, from the sharp point of an object? Who will pierce himself with the sharp object? Like if there are if there are two sides of an of, of a thing, one is sharp and one is smooth. You want to apply the smoother parts. Philo, stand up. Mm-hmm. And stand up properly. Here. Move to the middle and stand. So it, we should not run away. There are some women, the reason why they are they oppose head 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 covering. It's not because they've looked, they've, they've looked at the scripture. It's just that they want to be stubborn. They don't want to cover their head. Simple. And no matter what you are going to say, as long as it's not touching their salvation, they're not going to budge and all that stuff. So we should be careful. Okay? Context, context, context matters. You have to think, okay, what is Paul saying here? To whom? How does it apply to me today? George, I think you will help a little bit. Yeah. Anything? Okay. 
Okay. It says, to suggest that some of Paul's commands were merely a cultural peculiarity that, that became irreverent with the passage of time is to suggest that the apostle knowingly sought to bind the consciences of God's people with something that was clearly not divine, and worse still, that the Holy Spirit inspired him to do so. <laughs> oh, Jubi, oh, my Jubi. Where are thou? That's, that's good, that's great, that's great, that's punchy. Don't even go to the scripture and say, and a lot of intellectuals have somersaulted on this, on this stone. I say, even they are doing this with the word of Jesus. Like the Bible, the, what they call the color, color code scripture. The word in red. That Jesus was. So what happened? The person who is redacting, who is writing, who is copying, also is doing so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What Matthew was saying was the word of God. Every jot, that's what I say, even the dots, even the comma in the Bible are inspired. We can't violate them. If it was good, no, that song we're singing on Sunday, and it's black, 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 black American kind of song, giving that, oh, if it's good for Paul, it's good for you. Whatever Paul says to the Corinthian church by implication, if there are some places in all churches, the issue of women not preaching, he said, this is how it should be in all churches. It's for you. It's for you. Deal with it. It's for you. Don't just go straight as, okay, oh, is it for Corinthian church? Uh, okay, because because a lot of people just even say, hey, the Corinthian church were rowdy. Paul need to intervene and put some restrictions that were temporary just to calm them down. <laughs> and it's in the Bible. No. No. Thank you, GB, for that. Uh, I'm sure, Josh, do you understand most of the big, big English inside there? You read it here yeah? yourself. Thank God you read it yourself. Any other thing more? See, I want everyone of you, for instance, going through Romans, as if you pinch, if you if you if you choke my blood now, nah, I believe I believe Romans. <laughs> Look at Romans, it's just like this in my brain. Chapter one. Part of chapter one is about introduction to, to the letters. Paul said, I want to come so we can be mutually uh, helped. And then verse 16, he jumped into I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And then he, he, from there, he just like zoom, talking about the sinfulness of man. And then, then chapter four, he begins to, part of chapter three, he began to, he began to provide solutions. How, how God came through to help us from our helplessness. And then he talks about justification, all through by faith. Then, if you don't, the entire Romans can be kept. Capsulated to be one thing, justification by faith. The only way men are restored back to God is God justifying sinners by faith. By faith. And we thank God that He gave us the book of Romans. You just have eight minutes to go. It will be it will be serious. I actually wanted to read, I have read this before when we were in Jabi. I think so. The, the note I sent to you on confessionalism. How many of you remember that I read this in Jabi? Or in my house? Whatever. Is it house or Jabi? How many of you remember? Felix, where are you in the house? Okay. Okay. So let me just it means fairly, since many of you who are holding smartphone have been to school, university, so I will not bore you again by going through them. But the point is that we are a confessional church. I want you to understand that and not to be ashamed of that. That when someone pinch you and say, what is 1689? What is this? What is that? You should know what to say. We are confessional church. And then this, the, the principle of London Seminary today was the one that put this down 
2015 in Kaja Conference. And I've looked at it several times, and there's no way, I, I can't even add anything less. Yeah, the, the point of my disagreement is very minimal, and it's good for you to enjoy it. And I think GB will agree with me. Recently, we, we know, all those who are saying, no confession, no confession. Even that alone is a, is a confession. Yeah, no creed. No creed, but Christ, according to Vodi, is also a confessional statement. Every church have a confessional statement. Some are written down, and some are not written down. There's no church you go, whether it's uh, off the hook church. It does not have some sets of under basic understanding what they think the scripture teaches concerning major doctrinal issues. So the confession is just an articulation of what the church, throughout the history of the church, think that the Bible is teaching regarding primary things, things that are non-negotiable. So those who don't write their own down is unwritten, those who write their own down have written their own down so that you can hold them to account. Who would you prefer? The person that said, no, it's in my head. And the person that wrote his own, which one would you prefer today? I mean, things on paper. The written one. Okay. And uh, so you read through them and then we, we can talk and all those who were against confession all through the centuries end up become liberal or outright uh, atheists. Okay, so that's why we have this before you. I, I want to... So there are four reasons for the confession so to combat error uh, and to... He gave four reasons. To combat error, to confess the gospel. I like the way he put the combat error first. He said, sometimes people say, I'm an, my ministry is apologetic. And, and again, I'm beginning to be afraid of some reformed guys who said my own ministry, they've carved out a ministry for themselves, say my own ministry is apologetic. Some even say their ministry is polemics. And they are bold about it. It's the same way the other guys are going. When someone is in church, say, my ministry is prophecy. And then they carve out a prophetic ministry. Then carve out a healing ministry. And carve out a what again? A, eh? Deliverance ministry. No! In fact, a healthy church from, from the door, a healthy preaching does have the mix of polemics and what? <laughs> Deliverance. Yes, a healthy preaching. Have polemics uh, and then uh, apologetics. What do we do when we are preaching if you're not doing apologetics? We are combating error. We are pounding error out of the church, out of your heart, out of your head. That's what we are doing. It's a, it's a cocktail of a polemic apologetics and then the gospel is, is a mixture of everything. So as we are preaching, as we are emphasizing on the positive, the negative, we believe in this, therefore we don't believe in this. We stand for this. Because we stand for this, we are not standing for this. Meaning if we are not in this category, we believe strongly by the testimony of the scripture that if you are here, you are wrong and you are wrong and you are wrong particularly on primary issues. So our forefathers were bold. They were not chicken. As we were coming, someone on the radio, sorry for using this example. Let me just ask you, church, in, in Nigeria today, which of the governors do you think is man enough among all the governors? Let me just sample your head. If you are familiar with our, gov our governors, which of the governors do you think is bold, is, 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 is a man? I, I use, I'm using a, man, a word man as in does have heart. 
Who? Who do you think? Okay. He will say it exactly as it is. And even women, who said that? Jimmy said what? You can disagree with him on many points. But that guy can never shake. He, he's not a chicken. Our forefathers, when they were putting the confession down, let me show you what they were fighting, what they were up against. <coughs> this is the last thing before we go. In 1689, in the in that 17th century, the church, the Baptist fathers, the Congregationalists, I hope you understand the difference between the Baptists and the Congregationalists. Who understand their differences? What? Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Odolphin, two of you together, what is the difference between the Baptists and the Presbyterian. The difference that I know is that um, Presbyterians believe in infant baptism yeah. and the Baptists believe in um, baptism by immersion when you are converted and you have um, when you are older and you have confessed Christ. That is pedo-baptism and Credo baptism. Other things, Felix? The second thing that distinguishes us? Church government. Good, church government. Now, the big one. What is the difference between the Baptist and the Congregational? So you are, you are doing your meeting, eh? What's the difference? What's the result of the meeting? Remember is correct. I think congregational is the, the the church basically agrees to whatever happens in the church, and I think the Baptist there's a pastor, and no. God and God elders. <laughs> the Baptist, the Reformed Baptist, actually, and the Baptists are congregational in their church government. The difference between us and the congregationalists is the issue of infant baptism. The congregationals and us are the same in every aspect, except the issue of pedo baptism. We and the Presbyterian, everything same except the issue of pedo baptism and church government. I hope you understand that. All these guys are within the port of what you call non-conformism. These are non-conformists. They don't conform to the Church of England and by extension to the government. Look at what they were fighting in their days. It is in the, it's in the, let, uh, the, let the, the article I sent to you, the area of the, the part that talk about questions and objections. They were fighting uh, socianism, also hyenism. Socianism is what they were fighting. So kind of, I, I, I don't have time to explain to you. You can Google. They were fighting Roman Catholicism. They were fighting Quakerism. You know Quakers? Quaker oath, Quaker oath. How many of you have seen Quaker oath before? How many of you know it's a church? Josh, you do you know? Uh, do you know Quaker oath? You don't know it's a church? Quaker. In, in, in the 17th century, England, the most popular church at that time was Quaker. Quaker church. The way Pentecostal charismatic is so popular today. If you don't go to Quaker, Quaker's meeting in the 17th century, where, where, should you, where will you be? I've been to their, one of their properties in certain London. They own some of the choice properties. And that's why I look at Pentecostal church and I just chuckle. Because one day, those buildings will just be for, for conference, conference centers, museums. Quaker, 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 for instance, I think Pentecostal, Pentecostal charismatic, charismatic particularly, they are the, the modern day Quaker, Quakerism. So when you come together, the Bible is just there, 
But we are waiting for we are waiting on God for experience. Experience. They are, they are quick physically. I mean, if you have been to Mountain of Fire before, when you are physically taking a position, and then you are you are saying, die by fire, come by fire, and then you are just pumping the wall. In Quaker, people come together like this, they will hold hands, and then they are waiting for the Holy Spirit. There will be serious shaking. People quick. The way you say quick. <laughs> and then there's a meaning. It's not, it's not as quicky. And they were very popular. So people quick shake. Then later they began to have money. The way these guys are opening school, opening filling station, opening hotel. They begin to have, uh, they begin to do bakeries, uh, breakfast things, and all that. This way you have this quick and oats. Their, their oats were the best roller oats in England back then. The Baptists and the, and the non conf and those guys were they, were, they were negligible. But they stood their ground against the Church of England, the mighty Church of England, the mighty Roman Catholic Church. And they were so bold enough to put down the confessions. And guess what? They didn't put it down. They put their names. <laughs> when you read the original, they say, we, today, on the CCC, they are the signed people we've met. And they're not from this, from various regions in England. They came together. And then they put their name. What that means is that if you're looking for those to, who to arrest, this, this is us, this is my name, Mr. and Mrs. Odolphin, we lived in Sunnyvale. We put our name. And we believe that the Pope is an Antichrist. <gasps> 17th century. And they were also attacking Arminianism. They were attacking antinomianism. And they were attacking millenarism. All these issues are here with us today. So when I begin to teach properly, I will tell you why the confessions is still valid for us today, particularly 1689 confession, is still valid today. Because millenarism is here, many of you don't understand it's here. Antinomianism, ah, it's becoming very serious now. Uh, who even knows antinomianism? What is antinomianism? We don't know. Buy your brother cook and ask him on your way home. He has to talk to you. Get your own apartment. <laughs> Move out. Yeah. He can be like that. I agree with you. Yeah. So these issues are still here with us today and we must be clear. Very, not because we are trying to be unfriendly, not because we are trying to be difficult, you know. <laughs> Some people say, oh, so, you know, it's not being difficult. Truth is truth. Eh? Truth is truth. We must be unashamed about what we believe, and if you believe it, say it. Some of you are so full of cowardice. You can't even dare the social media arena with what you believe. You don't want your friends to come after you. And they say, I mean, we don't want to. No, you are, not, you are just being afraid. <laughs> you are being afraid. Of course, I don't want to start talking about creating like politics, like, uh, no, talk about the truth of the scripture. Anywhere you go. And if your head goes for it, so be it. But not to be clear, to be ambiguous about what you believe is very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. And I want us to bequeath to the next generation a healthy church that is courageous, that is bold, that is clear, that is articulate in, on primary things of the scripture. And the first doctrines that we are going to hammer on that may take us four weeks is the doctrine of the scripture. Hmm. Invite your friends, invite your enemies, your neighbor, have they paid their transport, buy them cook, just whatever you can do to bring them to this church every Tuesday, physically. Some of you that have become immune to physical meeting, immune? Yeah, you are now online. All the online brothers, I beseech you by the mercies of God, try to make your way here every Tuesday physically. It's going to be a great, great moment running through uh, these uh, confessions. Do you have any question about confessions? Wow, and then we go.
online physically. Okay. Before we pray tonight, let me just remind you that our brothers from APC, they are in town. They were here on Sunday. Tomorrow, they start their meeting. They have two venues in Abuja. The closer one to us is the Old Carol in Equa Church. I think, Elias, we should put the address up. Do we, do we have the, just put the address up on our group so that whoever wants to go is basically a book sales uh, conference. I saw some good, good, great materials that they came with. Please, if you save, if you have like 10K, you can come with a lot of books. Why are you putting your mouth? <laughs> yeah. Some of you can, do you know some of you cannot buy a Christian book for 50,000? Yes. The way you guys are looking at me, you cannot count 50K to go and buy one commentary. Elias, you tell me, how much is Logos? You don't know. If you need a Logos software on your Mac, you are even asking us about what is Logos. <laughs> you know Logos. How much do you think is Logos? Yes. To have the software, at minimum, it's about, you have about 1.5 million. I think it has come down. It's about 2.2 million. So when I was in a seminary, that was what I should have on my laptop. Some students bought them. At that time, I was not to say, 2 million. Well, that's why we are where we are anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why we are, we are where we are. We don't really invest. Even some of you in the university, you can't say you've used your money to buy serious textbooks. And, and I don't know where this culture of freebies came from. If there is a news now that APC is sharing book in Kali tomorrow, they will have to get police to control the crowd. But since they are going to sell it now, I'm sure. People will just say, eh, the book is good. Though. The book is good. Though. No, we are too rich. You know, there's a, then the economy issue. No. Find yourself, find your way to carry tomorrow. Go buy a book for yourself. Begin to have a library. Both men, some, some sisters, I want, as they're looking, I want their thinking, after I'm not going to be a pastor. There's no woman pastor here, so what do I buy? <laughs> that is cheating. Go and get books for yourself. There are some women that I fear, I revere. They are in churches. You dare not stand before them if you don't have your theology spread out. They are so terrible. They have read everything that you think. And you think they are just women. And they're boom. They are asking questions. They're like, oh, where are they coming from? It's good you learn. But for brothers, please make sure, Eric, and make sure my friend begin to put a library up on top of the bed. I'm sure he likes it. So, <laughs> so get yourself to Carol tomorrow. You think you can buy some books for yourself. Yeah. And then you thank us later. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what is it? What's, what is, what's, why are you smiling? Huh? To go and buy books. Or to go and do, to go and do your nails. Books. Okay. Let us pray. Our lovely Father in heaven, thank you for the great heritage, our reformed heritage that you bequeathed to us through the hands of your holy servants that have gone to glory and have gone ahead of us now. Help us to humble ourselves. And as we begin to humble ourselves to learn and to look through their own articulations, help us to to take it in and to and that and that be strengthened in our work with you, that together we may leave a strong and healthy church behind for our children and for our children's children. Grant us boldness that through our preaching, through our postings, through our witnessing, we may stamp out error from our, not just within our own locals, but from our nation. 
We know you can use one man, one Luther against the entire empire of Rome brought about a change in your church. Oh Lord, in our own time, raise more Luthers, raise more Calvins, raise more Zwinglis, raise more people that are fearless and passionate about your work and about your kingdom. Bless us now as we go home and may your kingdom come and may your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good night, everyone.